0: Brother, I'm hungry. I can't afford to eat. Brother, it's cold outside. Living life out on the street.
1: Welcome to the After Discussion podcast. My name is Tim Blay. I'm Tom Zalatni, and we've got a special guest in the studio with us today. She's an author, life coach, YouTuber, another winner of YouTube Next Up Canada 2016, mm-hmm.
0: trilingual, all around awesome person, Alexandra Vila Abrego. You got it. Did I pronounce That's that right. Very
2: good. Usually <laughs> people don't get it, but you, you did get it. Well, good
0: I good job. <laughs> I, uh, I I struggled at th- when we did the the YouTube thi- the YouTube video. Oh, yeah. As in the outro, I struggled with your name then, but now I've <laughs> that practiced. That
2: legendary video. <laughs> that was <Yeah>. amazing. <laughs> so, if,
0: yeah, if you guys have been following us, you may have seen Alexander before. She was the all-Canadian girl <laughs> on, on a certain Acapella Science 2 video that we did in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, welcome to the show. How's it going? Thank
2: you so much. It's very good. My Like I was telling you before, my voice is kind of going away because this weekend I was at an event and, and conferences and everything, so... If my voice like dies towards the middle of this show, well, I apologize about that. But besides that, everything is very good. <laughs> you can mime
0: to us and then we'll exactly. tell, the, tell the listeners at home what you're talking uh-huh. about.
2: That's perfect. I think that's that's a plan. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's the third language that you speak, right? Is mime?
2: I, it's the fourth. It's the fourth right. because I already have three. So that would be the fourth mime language. Yes. Okay. Yeah.
1: Is, it,
0: is it like, do you, do you find you can express everything non-verbally if you want to?
2: Uh, I'm pretty sure I I can't, no. (laughs) To be honest, I'm sure you expected me to say yes, but not to be honest. Let's just be honest here. No. (laughs) Right. Yeah, we do (laughs) value. So that's going to be complicated.
1: (laughs) We
0: value honesty on this podcast.
1: Good, good. (laughs) I've definitely thought about doing like ASL at some point, learning how to do sign language things. And because there's like a big deaf community in Montreal and like- Is there? Also like big deaf artists community. Really? Yeah. Lots of improvisers and actors who do- like, I mean, improv and acting in ASL. Mm-hmm. I didn't
2: know that. That's yeah, good to know.
1: It, it's cool. I only know about it because I have a few friends who are, like, plugged into that community. Oh. But it's, like, really neat and, like, surprisingly large.
2: That's crazy. I yeah. really didn't know that. Good yeah, it's know.
1: a
0: it's a fairly large community, although it's, like, the, the deaf communities are actually in, in real danger in a weird way of, like, dying out within a generation hmm. because... It's pretty much standard practice now for kids to get cochlear implants, like, Mm -hmm. as soon as you find out that they're deaf. Right. Like, within, like, a a couple of months, they'll have a cochlear implant, which means that usually they can start to learn, like, spoken, like, yeah, spoken languages as as well as any other kid. Hmm. So, especially with Quebec Sign Language, like, there's a, there's, because there's a particular, like, Quebecois version of it. Um, Oh, is there? Yeah. And my, really? So my, my sister works with with deaf kids at the, at the Mackay Centre in NDG here, mm-hmm. which is like the speech language centre. Mm-hmm. And uh, she says, like, there's probably about three kids of the new generation who are learning this Quebec Sign Language. And that's about it. Are you serious? Uh, so. But why
2: are they learning it if they don't need to know? Well,
0: because it, it there's a whole culture associated with it, right? Like okay. there's there's deaf performance and deaf poetry and like all of their, you know, their friends and family of, of, if you're a a deaf family, often like both Mm -hmm. parents are deaf and then the kid is also deaf because it's genetic. Right. Um, so
2: my God, I'm learning so many things. (laughs) I didn't know that. I didn't know there was like a, a a art scene when it comes to them. That's crazy. Yeah, Yeah. So
0: it's actually kind of a weird generational split where sometimes like the kids have to decide, do I want to take on my parents' culture, or do I want to sort of embrace hearing culture and it's
2: a real struggle for them right how crazy is that yeah Yeah. i
1: mean it's it's kind of like the linguistic cultural split that happened i guess like in our parents generation right like where Mm -hmm. so my mom can speak hungarian but doesn't really uh and my grandparents kind of had to make that choice when they immigrated here from europe because they were like well like you know we live in canada now and most of the people here speak english and french but we want to keep this language around a little bit right Mm mm-hmm like, it's kind of a similar thing, except <laughs> this one also has to do with, like, a thing you are born with that, like, yeah, it's literally not, yeah. hinders it otherwise, right?
2: Exactly, yeah. It's, it's wild. Uh, yeah, I know. Well, it is. I wonder if one day there's going to be, like, one universal language for everyone. Because, um, I mean, with immigration and everything, we're all, you know, for me, I speak English, French, and Spanish. But, I mean, when I uh, when I'm with my cousins and when I'm with people in my family... Let's say we start a sentence in English, then towards the middle, it's in French, and then we finish it in Spanish, you know, so there's like this mix. And in the United States, since there's this big Latin community, you know, they say that there's the Spanglish uh, language where people kind of like are going to say some words in in, in Spanish and other in English. Uh, So I wonder if when they, I I hope, I would like that, I would like if there was like this one universal language as well as like one universal religion and one universal, uh, um, you know, just, just one universal culture in a way. I know a lot of people Mm. say no, that it's good to have different cultures. But I think that when it comes to to discrimination and wars and Mm. things like that, very often it's because of that uh, separation between humans. Right. Yeah, Yeah. it's
1: tricky uh, because on the one hand, you want to preserve culture. Exactly. But on the other hand, like if everything was just kind of homogenous mm-hmm. there would be a lot less conflict over those things although we'd probably just find other things to fight about at that i point. wonder <laughs> yeah it's i mean you can you can see that
0: happening i think with the internet is a good example of that where people thought the more connected people were the more they would sort of learn all of each other's ideas and become one and instead you it sh- you can just see that Often people can choose their own little communities and infinitely fracture because they have such choice over who they get to you know, take ideas from. So
2: I wonder mm-hmm. if it's just part of the human to, to like that kind of separation and to just mm-hmm. be, you know, to, to want to be different from right. other people. I wonder. Yeah. Hmm. At the same. T- I mean, <laughs>
0: English is is an amalgamation of languages too, right? Like uh-huh. English comes from Anglo-Saxon and French and. Of Got a bunch of German words in there, and it's sort of stolen from everything. So that's
2: true. Yeah, Hmm. interesting. So, (laughs) So
0: is like, is everybody sort of in your immediate family? Are they like, they're all trilingual?
2: Yeah, most, most people are, yes. Because, I mean, I was the first one in my entire family to be born in Canada. Mm. Uh, but all of my cousins who are here, they were born in Bolivia, in Latin America. And then they immigrated when they were kids. Like, my, my, my cousin, who is right now 30, she immigrated when she was three years old. So, uh uh, but everyone at home, we would always speak in Spanish. And I'm very happy and very grateful that that happened because if not, I would have like lost language. Right. Uh, but it was mostly also because my grandmother and grandfather, they came to Canada when they were in their 50s. Okay, They went to, you know, the schools to learn English and French, but it just wasn't getting in their head. <laughs> you know, at some point they say that your brain is just like done learning. So they really yeah. tried. They did it for like a year or so and nothing. They didn't learn nothing. Well you know my grandma and my grandfather he he passed away but both of them uh, they uh, they were convinced that they could speak French and English perfectly. <laughs> so you know they would be like in the street or like at the supermarket and they would start like a conversation with a stranger and they thought they were speaking you know the oh, language yeah. but they weren't. And we would would try to tell them like stop. You can't just go to someone and start speaking in Spanish and just like you know do a little different accent and think that they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna understand you. But they 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 would get mad. They would be like we know how to speak better than you do. We're like, okay <laughs> fine, but yeah. But it's because of them because they would only speak in Spanish, well, at home, yeah, I grew up with my mother and my grandparents, I had to learn uh, Spanish right. to be able to communicate with them. So so yeah, and then I went to a French school and then English school and everything. So that's how it happened. But yeah, most of the people, they they uh, even friends like there's a big latin community also in montreal there's a big community of all different nationalities right. in montreal yeah. you know uh, but in school we would always uh, again you know talking about uh, you know forming groups and everything in the internet um for me it was like that when i was in in high school we would have like the crew the latin crew and we would all stick together and be like friends together so yeah mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. where'd you go to high school <laughs>
2: uh felix Leclerc.
1: Thanks, Claire. I feel like I know where that is. It's in
2: the West Island in Pointe Claire. There it we was go. a French school. right What about you? Where did you go?
1: I was a West Mount High kid. Okay.
2: Yeah. West <laughs> <Mount> <laughs> High kid. And I was out you? in Hudson. Oh, yeah. It's true. You're from Hudson. Yeah. Ah. A little s-
0: small town with absolutely no cultural diversity. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That is—that's so not funny. true. There's English Hudson and French Hudson. Oh, okay, they, that's the only. They don't particularly talk to each other. Really, that is <laughs> I, hilarious. I'm sure oh, they okay. do, but I was—I was only really privy to English Hudson. I yeah. had a bit of a language barrier myself. I think. Oh, um, but your French is good now. Well, it's passable. Yeah, it's like—it's still the kind of thing where I get frustrated trying to express ideas. Like, mm. okay, yeah, you find that with your second, like, la- like with French that, yeah, if you're like, there are know. concepts that you. When you form a new concept in your head, you don't necessarily have the words to translate it.
1: Uh, I don't know about that. I think I'm I'm comfortable enough in French, like in conversation, that I I don't get frustrated about it. I just get a little mm. flustered because okay. it takes me a little bit longer to get an idea across. But like I can do improv in French. Yeah, I that's realized, true. You're, you're not which bad. Is yeah.
0: Surprising. <laughs> but you did you learn all three languages simultaneously?
2: Kind of, kind of. Because I uh, at at home we would speak in Spanish. Mm. Television was in English and French both. Uh, then I went to um, how's it called uh, when you go to the uh, preschool. To so preschool, right. I went to uh, English preschool, but then I went to French school after that. Like right. uh, all all, the, all my schooling life, I was in French school. Uh, so kind of like at the same time. But I would say that my English, which is ironic, it's funny because that that's the language that I speak most. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of really not perfected it, but I kind of really learned more about the language when I was around 18, because I started to read self-help books and personal development books and spiritual books. And, mm. you know, usually the, the big titles, the, the bestsellers are in English. Right. So I, I started reading. I remember a lot. And at the beginning, I, it was kind of difficult because all my life I was always I reading, especially reading and, and, and writing in French. Mm. But that really helped me. And my first book that I wrote, I wrote it in English, right. the first version at first. So so yeah. Mm. So mm-hmm. So
0: what was it that pushed you in that direction, like that mm. started you on the the, like the sort of self-help and empowerment yeah. idea like well yeah it, what I, got was, you into that?
2: I was 19 when it started and uh when you know when i speak in conferences and in my book and everything I, I shared the story of how it happened i was um when i was 18 a year earlier i had left um my mother's house and i went to live in an apartment with a friend of mine and um for a year the first year that we were there it was all fun you know we were always partying and always going out and The thing with that was that, yes, it was fun on the surface, but then it wasn't that fun, the reality of it. You know, the reality Mm -hmm. of it was that we were both 18. We had to work at full time jobs that we hated mm-hmm. in order to pay the bills. Um, you know, since we moved so young and we didn't have any savings or whatsoever, uh, we had to pay all of our furniture and credit cards. You know, when you just turn 18 and you start opening like credit cards all over because no one teaches you what is a interest rate. Yeah. So I was 18 at that point and I was uh, over $19,000 in debt. Because we wanted like to have like the fancy furnitures and everything, Uh, our apartment was like super expensive. It had a jacuzzi in it. It had like a fireplace. Yeah, it was crazy (laughs) because we we just wanted you know to. I remember at that time the song from Kanye West uh, "Welcome to the Good Life" came (laughs) out, so we wanted to live the good life. And even in our living room wall, it's funny. I still have pictures of that. I remember we painted the whole apartment was the, the the biggest wall was like this like beige kind of almost white color and uh, then there was this wall close to the window that was all black and then there was this wall that was kind of a small one all red uh, but like a crazy like coca-cola red you know that mm-hmm. kind of flashy red and we spent I remember one night like till four in the morning writing on the wall with like the letterings you know that you have to put <laughs> and then you have to put you know everything uh welcome to the good life and then our 50 <laughs> inch tv that was on our credit card was right there oh. on under the welcome to the good life. So uh, just picture that. It's really pretty, it's pretty hilarious. And we thought for a while that we were living the good life until uh, the reality of, you know, being, uh, you know, having creditors call you because you're not paying your bills on time mm-hmm. and uh, just, you know, having to wake up. I remember I had to wake up every morning at 4 a.m. to go to the job that I hated, to be there at 7, but I had to take three buses to get there. Oh, no. First bus was at 5.23 in the morning. Then, you know, it was just like uh, this routine that we hated. And I remember the one year anniversary of living in that apartment. Uh, It sounds crazy and and funny, but that night I had a dream that kind of changed, like, I think my life. And in that dream, I was alone in an aisle in the middle of the night and it was cold outside. And uh, behind me, there was this man following me. And every time I would turn around and look behind me, he was getting closer and closer to me. And at some point I turned around and he was right there standing in front of me. And I looked at him and he looked at me and he said, come with me. And I remember in my dream, I was like, I can't, I, you know, I have to stay. And then he said, why do you want to stay? Are you happy where you are? And then I remember in my dream, I was like, am I happy where I am? And then I woke up, it was probably around like five in the morning uh, I was in my bedroom. I was, you know, sleeping. I looked around me in all my fancy furniture. That, Like I said, I was mm. still like creditors calling me because I wasn't paying the, the credit cards. And next to me, there was like a glass of wine. Next on my on my table next to my bed, uh, on the other side there was this man that I was so crazy in love with, but I knew that he wasn't really in love with me. In the living room, I could still hear people partying, you know, at like five in the morning. People that we didn't even know who would just come to our parties, you know, randomly. And then I asked myself, I was like, "Am I happy where I am?" And then the answer was no. I was not happy where I was. And for a while after that, I, I thought it was just like this phase that I was going through. You know, sometimes you just don't feel good and whatever. Yeah. Uh, but then about two weeks after that. One morning as I was going to that job that I hated, uh, it was like a morning like any other morning. There was nothing special about that morning. But I just remember that I was sitting on that bus at 5.23 in the morning and I was looking around me at all of the faces of the people sitting there that I had, you know, I I didn't know who they were, but I knew their face because every morning they were there. And they all looked like really tired and really exhausted and just unhappy and just like they just didn't want to be there. And for a moment I was like, wow, like, poor them. Like, I feel so bad for them. Then I was like, wait a minute, I'm also here. (laughs) Exactly, (laughs) it was that, it was exactly that. I was like, oh my God. I'm here, too. You know, (laughs) I probably have that same face. And then for a moment, I started to think, you know, is this how life is supposed to be? One day you just wake up, you're an adult. And then that's just the reality. You know, you work nine to five from Monday to Friday and you hate Mondays and you wait for Friday. And then you save up for like a little vacation to Cuba like once a year. And you think that that's, you know, freedom, but it's not. And I started to get used to that reality to say like, okay, maybe that's the way it is. And in that moment, and usually when I share this in conferences, people start crying in the audience and everything. And it's not to make them cry that I share this. It's just because there's a point after that I'm trying to make. Um, I remember that, that morning, I don't know why, but I started to think of when I was around nine years old. I found um, in my mother's things a business card with the, the name of my father on it. And I hadn't seen my father since I was like three years old, two years old, something like that. And I remember I just kept the the business card with me as like, the memory that I had from him and one day I don't remember if it was like years after or like months after that I know I was having that conversation with my mom because she she found the card in my things and I was asking her is this really his business card and she was saying yes and behind the card there was the name of a clinic and a phone number and then I asked her I was like what is this you know why did he write that and then she told me that when she told him that she was pregnant he said I don't wanna have a kid. I'm not mm. ready for a kid. Here's the name of a clinic and here's a phone number. Go get an abortion. Whoa. And, you know, just to put everyone in the in the situation, just to understand, you know, what was going on for my mom at that point. She was twenty seven. So just arrived to Canada. She didn't speak French or English. She was working as a maid in a hotel. And so she felt like, okay, maybe that's like the best decision maybe that's I mean what am I gonna do with this kid now you know mm-hmm. uh, so she took the appointment but what's uh, incredible about that whole situation and story it's that exactly <clears throat> at the same time that that happened my grandmother's immigration papers to come to Canada were approved. she arrived to Canada and she found out that my mother was pregnant and she said if you get an abortion I'm leaving and you're never seeing me again and she said keep the baby and we're gonna raise her together and so my mother kept me, and now I'm here with you wow. guys today. <laughs> and, you know, when I share that story in, in, in a conference or, you know, when I do the speech or whatever, what I say after is that that morning when I thought about that, that story when I was in the bus and I was starting to think that maybe that's the way life is supposed to be, I was like, no, I mean, that's impossible. I mean, for all the stars to align in, like, the most magnificent way and for me to be here today, I mean, what were the odds, you mm-hmm. know? that I would be here today. So how can I just think that my life is just this, that this is it, that, you know, there's nothing more to life. And what I say to the audience and what I say to the people listening today is that, you know, we all come to the world in different ways, right? Some of us were like little surprises. We just come at the, like, the most inappropriate time, you know. We just arrived to the world. Some some of us, you know, we're, our parents, you know, plan us for years ahead and everything. Mm-hmm. And however we come to the world... Um, You know, just the fact that we made it, right? Right. They say, how many sperms is there? I mean, there's like a billion. A a lot. It's it's a lot. lot. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's a lot. So imagine for you to win the race, right? The the biggest race of your life and to make it. uh, I mean, all the stars, they align so perfectly for you to come at a specific time in the history of the world of humanity. So we can walk around thinking that we don't have this special mission or purpose that is assigned to us and to our life. So I remember that day. In that bus, I thought about that. And there's just this fire that kind of lit up inside of me. I rang the little bell in the bus back in when there was still the little bells. Now it's the little buttons, right? Right, right. So I rang the little bell. I got out at the next stop. I crossed the streets, waited for the next bus to go back. (laughs) I went back home. I called my job that day. I was like, I'm sick. The day after I called him again, I was like, I'm sick. And I was literally feeling sick. I wasn't feeling good, like Mm, not only mentally, but just physically. I was tired. I just wanted to sleep. So I went to the doctor and the doctor said that I had a depression. So everything was going so good, you know, when I was 19, $19, $19,000 in debt, you know, depression, everything was great. Um, But that was like the best thing that happened because at that point I started to really say, okay, so what am I going to do? So what is that mission that I have? Uh, And I think that when you ask the universe, you know, okay, so how can you use me to do something greater than myself, greater than this life that I have? I think the universe answers you and shows you the way. Uh, So that's what happened, you know, uh, but I mean, a year later, I released my book. Uh, A few months after that, I I think that was like in August of 2009. And in October of 2009, I did my certification to become a life coach. Uh, So everything started to just unfold perfectly. And there was like no resistance in the universe. Everything was just flowing. There was like everything, like opportunities after opportunities, just all the doors were opening perfectly. And that's what happens when you're on the right path. I mean, everything starts just to flow. So that's... um, that's the story <laughs> that's wow, the long yeah. story <laughs> <laughs> that's great thanks for sharing that well no yeah, problem thank sure. you to you <laughs>
0: so oh, yes. mm-hmm. when you when you started thinking about like what is your mission mm-hmm. like if if, the, if you do like if there is a more of a purpose to life than just living it and maybe you know reproducing and dying yeah, right? like yeah. <laughs> the, the like evolutionary view like if uh-huh. there is if there is a purpose to life how do you how did you go about trying to find out what that was then
2: I think that we, you know, we all have this calling. That, that, that's what I really believe. Now, of course, there's no proof. Uh, you know, I know that you're into science also. And I have a lot of friends who are in the personal development who are into science. So we always like to have these conversations to see, you know, where was. I don't think there's a definite truth. I think we're all going to know what the truth is once our time here on Earth is is done. Um but I think it's just this feeling that you have at some point when it comes to your mission, what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. I think that the moment that you start to be open and you start to ask again, like I said, you know, how can you use me uh, whatever God you believe in or just the universe or mother nature? I don't know whatever you want to believe in, I just say, you know, how can you use me on this on this life that I have, this one life that I have, how can I make the world a better place? you know, how can mm-hmm. the moment that I die, uh, say you know what I did something I did something good for the world besides you know reproduction besides all of that yeah. you know how can, well, what can I bring you know that can make the world a better place I think that the the universe starts to answer that call it's like you know you call you know you dial a number and then you call well it's gonna answer you know unless you have like the wrong number <laughs> that's another story <laughs> but you know that's um, that's that's what I think you have to do and then you you feel inside of you when it's the right thing and one thing that I would say to anyone is to try a lot of things. Mm. You know, you can, you know, imagine your passion in life or your mission in life is to, uh, is to I don't know, it sounds so funny, but I mean, it's to talk about, uh, Italian food, okay? So imagine your passion is about Italian food and you want to sh- share with the world and you want to make the world a better place because of it, but you've never tried Italian food in your life. You're never going to know that that's your passion, you know? Right, so until that's, you try it. Until you try it. So, I mean, if you're you're in a, in a space in your life where you're trying to find that mission, try different things, you know, test. You have mm. nothing to lose. Try okay. and, and see, you know, where where there. I have one of my colleagues in the French industry he does conferences and he always speaks uh, about there's this bzzz that happens when you uh when you you know that it's your your mission or that it's something that you're supposed to do and uh, and yeah and i think you can you you're going to feel it the moment that you know the moment that you you find that thing
0: yeah i think it, there's it's like people are wired to to need meaning and to crave meaning and also to see meaning in things mm-hmm. and so whatever it is that you think meaning actually is like, it's, it seems like it's it's a very instinctual thing a lot of the mm-hmm. time. that Like, you, you can't describe actually why something is meaningful, yet you sort of know it when you see it. Right? Yes, that's yeah. so
2: true. That's really true. I mean, that's, uh, I was watching Dr. Oz the other day, and there was this woman who was talking about uh, her, she wrote a book, I think she's a singer, I don't know, or an actress, and, oh, no, 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 she's the, um, uh, you know, Good Morning America, she's one of the hosts there. Okay. And her husband passed away not long ago, and she wrote this book called Faithful. And she talks about faith, and she talks a lot, of course, about religion and Christianity, and she's very into that. But the way she explains this, she explains it in a way where she's like, we all need to believe in something no matter what it is you know if you believe in in the sun then go ahead and believe in the sun if you you know just the fact that you 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 just have that belief that makes you feel like there's there's something bigger than yourself and you know I, I like I like people like that who you know her she's she's christian and she speaks about that but she's not pushing people you know in that direction she's not like preaching to them but she's just saying you know just find that thing that you kind of believe in that you can kind of hold on to when times get rough you know because it's hard if you don't believe in anything and 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 then there's you know difficult times ahead or things like that. So yeah, I, I liked her her interview. was pretty interesting. Hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, that that resonates a lot with me. I so <laughs> I can actually relate to a lot of parts of that story because I moved mm-hmm. out when I was eighteen and mm-hmm. now I'm currently eighteen thousand dollars in debt Ooh, and okay. uh, no end in sight to that. But uh, mm-hmm. mostly feeling like I'm managing it. I'm not. Uh, no one's ever called me asking about my debt. Okay. So I'm not at that point yet.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but it's also
1: not going anywhere anytime soon. Okay. Uh, so, you know, but like, yeah. And, and the whole like going into a depression in you're like late teens, early twenties thing. Like, yep, that's, that mm. is a, the story of my life too. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, and I wonder why that is such a common thing for people our age. And like, especially like in our generation, it seems like people go through that a lot, right? Like people yeah. kind of, I find, especially people who have a lot thrust on them early, like, either because you move out or because you, like, start working really early or, like, your family situation or whatever, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. end up going through that kind of stuff, like, most of the time. Yeah. And, like, I don't really know, like, what is, like, fundamentally broken about humanity that that's sort of where we end up, but... You know, it, I know. It's weird.
2: I think it's uh, I think it's pretty simple. Especially because you know, I, in my new book Beyond Beauty, that's going to come out on March fourteenth. Uh, I speak about about that. You know, there's two um, desires as humans. We have two main desires. Uh, the first one is the desire for freedom. The second one is the desire for love. Um, whether you want to start a business, whether you want to have more money, whether you want to move out of your parents' house, uh, whether you want to travel the world. If you go down and dig, de- de- uh, you know, go, go to the deep. Um, how can I say, to, to the bottom of it and right. what it really means and what you really want and what you're after is freedom. Right. If you want to get married, you want to have kids, you want to find the one. If you go to the deep you know, meaning of what it really means and what you're looking for, it's more love. Hmm. Um, there's two, you know, there's a the yin and the yang inside of all of us, at women, men and, and women. And inside of us, those two energies, the masculine and the feminine, uh, the feminine inside of you, its desire is love the masculine inside of you, its desires freedom. And I know this is gonna sound very Um, some people might not agree with that and that's completely fine but you know a lot of women when they get together very often what they talk about what they end up talking about is about their relationships and we can see it not only on television but very often women uh, when they get together they're going to end up talking about their you know their husband and what did he do and you know he didn't do the laundry and you know what is wrong with him and and men when they get together very rarely do they talk about their relationships very often they talk about money and about career and about advancements and things like that now It's different when when, uh, there's a woman who has more masculine energy inside of her. She's going to talk more about freedom. You know, for me, um, for a long time, I was on that pursuit of freedom. Uh, Therefore, I was always talking about... about you know have, wanted to make more money and want to start my business and wanted to travel and everything um, so I think we live in a generation well we live not only a generation we live in a world uh, that is a patriarchal society the patriarchal society that we live in has taught men and women from a very young age that in order to be successful in life in order to have the things that you want in life you need to be more on the masculine energy side again. We're not saying men and women because we all have those two energies inside of us. There can be a woman who has more masculine energy. There could be a man who has more feminine energy. Uh, But the patriarchal society has taught us that. Therefore, this generation has arrived to the world uh, where they were taught that they need to be on that pursuit of freedom first. Uh So since we were teenagers, that pursuit of freedom, not only now with media, but also social media, we have we have been pushed to want more freedom fast. And because we want more freedom fast, well, we leave earlier, we want to start businesses earlier. Um, You know, we start to do everything very early and very often we're not prepared for that. Mm -hmm. And very often we get in situations like, what I got into and what you also got into, right. um, it's that that desire for freedom. But one thing that you have to know is that it's a good thing that it happened to you now, right. and that it's not happening to you when you're 40 and have like 10 kids. You know, <laughs> right. yeah, yeah, for sure, <laughs> we want 10 kids. But you know, that's it. Yeah, so, Go, yeah.
1: Be, being depressed and broke in your early 20s
2: is not as bad as being yeah. depressed and broke when you have like a wife and like five yeah. kids to feed. You it know, gives you, it gives mm. you a
1: chance to like work on those things and try to figure them out before you have other people that you're responsible for. Exactly. But that's exactly. interesting. I that that like those two things the, mm-hmm. the freedom and the love being the two kind of primary goals that we have like yeah. that that kind of makes sense like looking at the way that even the way that people do relationships now mm-hmm. is that people seek freedom in relationships. Yeah, no one wants to commit to anything. Exactly, they want you know instant gratification. They want to feel like they've accomplished something, and then they want to go.
2: Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. that's like,
1: and that leads to like you know not enough love, which leads to you know further brokenness and like lack of fulfillment. And, and,
2: and that's perfect what you're saying. The lack of love. There's a big deficit of love in the times that we live in, which creates fear. You know, uh, there's lo- the 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 two mothers of feeling. Of thoughts, of words, are love and fear. Hmm. Fear being the low frequency, uh, and 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 love being the high frequency. Because of this deficit of love that is in the universe and in the times that we live in today, that that the deficit is created by the lack of feminine energy in the world and right. the patriarchal society that we live in. Well, we're vibrating at a fear frequency, which explains all of the things that the world is going through right now. You know, we <laughs> could just see it in the United States and everything. You know.
0: Hmm. There's a that you were talking about. It's sort of sort of as a yin and yang kind of thing, and it's uh-huh. like it's very because yin and yang are sort of they're also also representative of like order and chaos, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and like the the Taoist idea of of like the proper way to live is to sort of have have one foot in order and one foot in chaos and kind yeah. of be within that. So there's there's a bit of chaos in the order, which is the black dot in the yin yang, and there's the mm-hmm. the white dot in the in the black, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's you're, you're right there's kind of like there's a hell on either side of that if you take yeah. either one of them out right no freedom is awful exactly. and no love is awful it's like awful. neither mm. one of those are worth living so you mm.
2: need to find that balance
0: right? yeah yeah yeah
2: absolutely mm. and it's uh you know I, I did a conference just this sunday about that and i've been doing you know I, I speak at least like almost once a week at different events and things like that and uh, the conference that I did, I, I speak about that, about the patriarchal society that we live in. You know, I'm, I, I could spend hours talking about that, but just to, 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 to give you an idea, um, there was a time when there was a matric- matriarchal society. Uh, matriarchal societies are all about collaboration and not competition. Patriarchal society are all about competition. Um, the times that we live in, and it's been a few uh, a few decades now that we are in this patriarchal society, well, we've been taught men and women that everything that is on the feminine side is bad. If we just take a look at the first story in the Bible, and again, I, I mean, I'm a Christian, but I still can analyze that and be, uh, sure, you know, yeah. hmm. question, question things, you know, um, Adam and Eve, who ruin everything for the world? who destroyed everything, and because of who... Well, Adam
0: blames Eve, which I think is a bit (laughs)
1: telling. (laughs) Yeah, technically, (laughs) if we really want to get into it, the snake fucks everything (laughs) out. Exactly, but the
2: snake tempted Eve, and because of Eve, I mean, she bit the apple, and then, you know, everything went to hell. Yeah. So we're taught, I mean, that was like the first story that i ever learn about the Bible. So mm. we're like unconsciously like this very subliminal way of yeah. teaching the world that everything that is on the feminine side um, is bad. Hmm. and everything is, is not good and we need to be more on the masculine energy side of things which again has created this pursuit of freedom and one thing that I always want to be clear about is that this is you know the book that I, I write it's Beyond Beauty A Guide to Self-Love Confidence and Full Feminine Power it is not about diminishing the masculine energy to the contrary I think that there needs to be a balance between right. the two because like you said there can be uh, no like you said there can be like a um, too much freedom there can be too much love or not enough freedom there has to be that balance in order hmm. to have fulfillment in anyone's life. So um I, I am I'm a very big supporter of that. But right now uh it's it's the masculine energy that is like at let's say ninety percent and there's a ten percent of feminine energy. So right. that's hmm. that's the problem.
0: Do you think we're like do you think we're coming out of that? Because like if if I think about you know, patriarchal society. I wouldn't necessarily say that society was le- less patriarchal a hundred years ago, right? No, not a hundred like, years <laughs> ago. No, 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 no. Like, I'm but, talking but like th- yeah.
2: thousands of years ago.
0: But it's it's interesting to me that like in, say, you take sort of the Puritan age, you've got this combination mm-hmm. of, at the same time as you've got a very patriarchal society, you've also got a very restricted society. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I'm I'm just trying to s- think what you would say about because like in the 60s it's kind of, there's kind of this explosion of freedom yeah. but at the same time it's a push back against the patriarchy right like yeah. like it's the first time that well not the first time like there's you know, feminism going back to the 1800s at least but yes. um like it's it's a big time where you're kind of they're kind of breaking those structures mm-hmm.
1: so it's, but it, i think it's, that's two different definitions of patriarchy right cuz cuz you're talking about the masculine and feminine energies as yeah. opposed to like you're talking about genitals tim Right. right. So, yeah. so wh- where you're saying like in the 60s, there so was you, women's lib stuff, that's still a push toward what you're Alexander, what you're referring to as masculine mm-hmm. energy or these, yeah. this freedom thing. That's right? yeah, that's well, what
2: I was going to say, because it was a fight for freedom, which is great because because of these women that fought so hard, I can be, you know, where I am today. Right. So mm. it's amazing. Thanks to them. But at the end of the day, it wasn't uh, an empowerment of the f- divine feminine energy. It okay. was still done, you know, in a way that 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 pushed freedom that elevated freedom. Um, you know there was also the, the love movement that happened at the same time in the 70s because True. I believe that these people they knew what was kind of going on so they still wanted to fight for they you know they believed in that movement in the feminist movement but they still knew that there was we needed to bring back the love now when it comes to patriarchal society matriarchal society the matriarchal society that I speak about that was you know hun- not hundreds um, thousands of years ago yeah. I mean we're talking back the, the tribes you know les, how do we say in English the uh, yeah. back in the day when there wasn't like the society that we know today. At uh, the moment that it started to go away was if we take a look at um, when the um, Witches of Salem happened, uh, when religion started, that's when matriarchal society started to die off because of the because religion was put to place before before the priest, there was a priestess, right? Um, and what happened at that point is that all the witches, who they called the witches, which is, you know, now it's bitches. Um, Sorry, I don't know if we're supposed to curse here. Uh, We're we're okay. (laughs) Okay, okay, good. Well, they were burned, right? To death, Mm. because they knew things that the priests didn't want uh, the people to know. Uh, Things about the spiritual world, things about matriarchal society. You know, in my book, I speak about uh, periods as women, and there's been a lot of discoveries when it comes to to science, also when it comes to a, a woman's period and how we are aligned with. Nature Just just to give you an example, the moon. The moon is 28 days. A woman's period is is supposed to be normally 28 days. Uh, Back in the day when the electricity didn't exist, a woman's period, when she would ovulate, it was with the full moon. And when she would menstruate, it was with the dark moon. When electricity was invented, um, there's, I would have to check again in my book because I did a lot of research. There's this—it's a gland in your brain, hmm. uh, not the pituitary gland, but there's one that when it sees the most amount of light at night, okay. that's when it can it can ovulate. And because electricity was invented at a night, now it's kind of like in right, balance. With it shifts everything. So uh, there was a lot of um, things that had to do with. Feminine energy and feminine power back then in the matriarchal society that when men started to come to power, uh, they didn't want the world to be that way. Uh, the time, the days when it was a maturical society was times when science did not even exist yet. Mm. And what happened in that time is that men and children thought women were sacred beings because they were able to give birth. But they didn't understand that men uh, were part of that, right? <laughs> they were just like, oh, my God, how is she able to bring babies to the world? You know, they were like, that's a miracle. But then when science started to be invented... That's when everything changed. And because uh, physio- physiologically men were stronger, they started to want to be the ones in power. Uh, but the problem with that is that they took that power, like, to how can I say, um, they abused that power in right. a way. Right. Uh, but I think that, you know, before you were saying how is everything changing, uh, I think that, especially this generation of men, I can see how they're coming back to the realities of, you know, it's not fair what was done to women for centuries and we need to be more fair and we need to be equal and i love to see that when i see men who are aware of that because that means that they're very in tune with their uh the real meaning of being masculine you know because Mm. uh mainstream has made us believe that to be masculine well you have to be you know this uh this sorry again this asshole you know who's all like muscly and who's walking around being like hey woman sit down you know but that's not the reality and that's not how it should be to be yeah. you know a man uh and uh, and someone who who is in tune with their divine masculinity so yeah but i think i think that there is a comeback of the the real balance between the energies um the balance or The equality between sexes, even though we have done a lot of work, I I think we're still not there yet. You know, Mm -hmm. there's still a lot of work to do.
0: And especially in in terms of of like Mm -hmm. actually prioritizing like love pursuits as much as freedom pursuits. Like often, you know, there's this huge Internet war that goes on about the wage gap. Right. And people people argue, well, it's because women want to go into more like. Uh, you know people-centered professions and it's like well why don't those people-centered professions pay as much as (laughs) other professions then because those aren't valued you know you don't get paid to to be a nanny near as much as you do to be a surgeon
2: exactly Mm. yeah and it's uh, as equally as important you know you're taking care of a life or you're you know saving life i mean you know if you don't take care of the life then the life is going to die if you you know it's it's the same it's the same thing so yeah absolutely Mm. you're right it's true
0: (laughs) yeah the thing with the 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 even before science, like science almost brought the the birth thing back to kind of a midpoint because like Mm -hmm. in the patriarchal society of like sort of the middle ages prior to science, they're like what they thought about childbearing was actually that like the kid was this little like tiny homunculus inside the sperm and then, mm-hmm. like, the, the woman didn't have anything to do with it. She was just kind of the vessel. The, the ve- okay, so, yeah, that's like, interesting. So, like, they, they completely flipped it around from what you're saying. Oh, so after and that, then, okay. That's and then when science came around and, like, showed that it's actually, no, it's not either of us having total control exactly, over this. It's both <laughs> of us. Like, I don't know, maybe that connected. leads to an understanding that there actually is a balance.
2: Yeah yeah mm. there there that's the thing there is a balance both of them are necessary in the creation of life you mm. know that's what's uh, that's what's crazy but but yeah it was the the there was a lot of power that was taken away but uh if we go into also the spiritual world um if we take a look at the different ages uh, that happened in the world of spirituality. In 2012, we've entered the age of Aquarius, and that it was also uh, predicted in the Mayan Mayan calendar. Uh, if in The you famous do la- 2012, yes. The famous <laughs> 2012 was not the end of the world. It was the beginning of the age of Aquarius, which the age of Aquarius uh, represents the divine feminine, uh, which is why today so many people are talking about that, and mm. uh, men are more aware. And it's crazy. I was having this conversation the other day with a friend of mine, and we were talking about how... Um, before 2012, it felt like um, and I don't know if you guys felt it, it felt like there was more like um, this uh, inside of, of a lot of people, this kind of like not violence, but this kind of of just like wanting to be more on the masculine side or maybe it just affected some people. Uh, But it was with guy friends and they were saying, yeah, like after 2012, I kind of felt this shift inside of me What it wasn't more it wasn't any more about like uh, wanting to prove myself or things like that. It was more like going with the flow of life, you know, and being more like on that thing. So I don't know if it was something that everyone felt, but I remember it was around three weeks ago that I was having that conversation and I was like. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, I feel like
0: there's, there's, for better for worse, there's still a lot of aggression in the world. So yeah, like, for yeah. sure. <laughs> that's <not> true. Like, <laughs> that's true. It's not like a, a year solved all our problems. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely not. It's, it's
2: just the beginning. I just think that it's the beginning, and uh, I think that everything that is going on right now in the world, you know, in the United States and everything. I think that it's perfect the way it's happening. I mm-hmm. think that it had to happen. It was part of of that process. You know, they say yeah. before things get better, they get much worse. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we're experiencing today.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so, interesting. It, when I think of where I was at in like late 2012, mm-hmm. that was when I my life kind of fell apart. It was I had just moved out a few months prior and like left the ministry job that I was working in, dropped out of school um, and like went through like a pretty messy, like romantic relationship that was not good in any way, shape or form and like started feeling depressed, like actively. And it was this it was all just kind of all at once toward the end of 2012. And it's been like a gradual like rebuilding since then. (laughs) that's pretty interesting your own personal <laughs> apocalypse yeah <laughs> basically. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny <laughs> well, like pe- people
0: who are really into like like archetypes and myths and stuff talk mm-hmm. about how like like that's the reason why we have these these ideas like grand ideas of, of apocalypse and stuff mm-hmm. is that it, you know it, you actually the reason why it's meaningful you, to you is that it happens in your everyday life like you you do experience these things exactly. in a real way whether it's in a, a tiny way when like a bit of you dies when you're in conversation and someone says something you realize you're wrong about, you have to let it go. That's a tiny mm-hmm. apocalypse. And yeah, there's, tiny apocalypse. there's there's that's larger hilarious. apocalypses where, you know, where you're, <laughs> reason, you know, your whole life kind of falls apart. <laughs> yeah. And then there are even larger ones where like whole civilizations it fall apart. apart and so yeah. like at every level up the chain, there's this phenomenon of things like devolving mm-hmm. into chaos and then you needing to, to get something out of that. So, you know, then you get for some reason the idea of the phoenix becomes super popular or the you yeah. know even like death and resurrection stories are everywhere and you know exactly. it could be because everyone actually has experience with that on every level.
2: Uh-huh. What what is your take on on let's say civilization do you think uh were close to maybe having it and especially you because you know you're into science and everything so i would love to have that that opinion what is your your take on all that
0: i don't think science has much to say like (laughs) like it's it it's a new experiment this Mm -hmm. there has not been a civilization like this one Yeah, that's true. so people don't change it's Mm -hmm. it's clear that people can mess things up pretty darn bad Mm -hmm. um the question is like are the circumstances different enough from when we've messed it up in the past that we can avoid it? Because mm-hmm. I think, like, yeah, there's there's a fundamental irrationality about people, and there's also, I think, it is very dangerous when people lose that idea of what's meaningful. Mm-hmm. Like you, you saw that in kind of the the horrors of the 20th century, where mm-hmm. you know, people lost a lot of meaning and then glommed onto other things that they thought could be meaningful so they glommed onto communism or onto yeah. n- nazism or these like very dangerous movements but they needed something yeah right to believe and there's in- there's a very yeah. strong correlation with that actually like in in Quebec for example mm-hmm. being a lapsed catholic is a very strong was a very strong predictor for whether you joined the like nas- the Quebec nationalist movement in the 60s okay. like it was something like 10 <laughs> to 1 If you were, if you were a lapsed Catholic, because you had like lost this meaning in your life Mm -hmm. and you needed some other structure to get it from. So suddenly something comes along that you think like this could be, this could be mm -hmm. a mission. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what scares me is that I don't feel like, like I I like, I like what you're doing because you're actually trying to bring meaning in a, in a way that's actually positive. Whereas a lot of like political movements sort Mm -hmm. of get people like, Convince people that there is meaning here, yeah. right, in this system, right, in this this like idea of utopia, or in this this idea of a, at least like a negative meaning of like mm-hmm. those people are evil, and at least we need to keep them yeah. out. Here. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, as for society right now, I don't know. I'm <laughs> yeah. If history's any guide, it can get very much worse. Yeah. But it can also get better. I yeah.
2: know. <laughs> it's exciting. I really think that we're living in one of like the most exciting times in humanity. I mean, with everything, with the internet, I mean everything is so so new, you know, just in my field, in my in my in my field of, of coaching and online marketing and what we do. Uh we always talk about that you know i was I was in Paris uh, a few months ago, and I was with uh, one of my colleagues and he's also from here from Quebec and we just did this conference in front of seven hundred people in paris and uh, it was for the launch of my my friend uh, martin Latulib's uh, online program and he in in one week all together we made two point eight million dollars wow. in one week i mean who you know that just the fight and we were talking about it but like imagine like ten years ago. 20 years ago, that was that was not possible. I mean, you know, it was just like people who, you know, grew up in like a whole different reality, but it wasn't the everyday people, you know, every everyday person who was just, you know, grew up in like a regular, went to public school and everything that could actually have that reality. And we're talking about how, when we're going to see each other in like 40 years, 30 years, we're going to talk about how uh, this industry, uh, we've created it, we're the pioneers. And it's the same thing when it comes to YouTube, you know, it's, mm. it, you know, when you think about it, we're kind of yes, you know, there's people who started like two thousand seven everything, but we're like the first generation to actually do it. I mean, mm-hmm. we started uh something incredible and it's it's very exciting when you think about that. Yeah. When you think about this you know, as Drake would say, what a time to be alive. Mm. That's my thing. I always say that. I'm always like, what a time to be alive. I think I say that like 10 times a day. Sure. Every, every With moment. various
0: yeah. emotional inflections. Yeah, yeah, yeah
2: exactly. <laughs> like, what a time to be alive. What a time to, you know. Oh, what <laughs> a, time. <laughs> a time to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's crazy. Mm. Yeah, I know, for sure. Mm.
1: <laughs> on well. uh, on the topic of music, since you mentioned Drake just now, uh, patreon.com. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll, segue you'll, time. You'll see, you'll see this thread in a minute. I'm real good at segways. Uh, P- Patreon is a crowdfunding platform that allows creators to work directly with their audiences to produce the best possible content uh, for you at the lowest cost to the creators themselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you go to patreon.com slash up for discussion, you can pledge as little as a dollar to get early access to bonus content as well as immediate updates when these episodes go live. And if you give us more than $5 a month, uh, you get to... Give us a thing to talk about once a month. And uh, Kendalyn, for this week's episode, wanted ah. to know what our song would be when we walk into a room. So, like, what is the theme music that would play when mm-hmm. we walk in? Do you have Alexander? Do you oh, man, like when you when you g- go
0: out on stage? Do you have music that that plays? It depends for you? on the stages. It mm. depends
2: on the stages. But I don't choose the music. Very it's not often like in your contract. Like I must I, yeah, have. I should next time. Thanks. Thanks for the idea. <laughs> it's part of it's part of your brand. You gotta exactly. You know, yeah, yeah. I should. Yeah. Usually they have like you know their whole soundtrack for the events. Mm um honestly good question Oh, huh? what song
0: well this can be where we hash it out like we need <laughs> to pick your song now
2: yeah we should pick the song okay what mm. do you guys think the song should be
0: for you yeah huh. oh man hmm.
2: what about you guys Do you guys already have an idea of what would be your songs well the only entrance the only remember? entrance
0: music i've ever actually had was when i was uh, a groomsman at my my sister's wedding uh-huh and I, I came in dancing to 22 by Taylor Swift. Oh, <laughs> um, my God. Were you 22? I, was I? No, I don't, I don't think <laughs> oh I was. not think I really drinking. like that We're song. It was, that, was, that was only two, uh, what, three and a half years ago? Oh, no, yeah. So, yeah. No, I was not 22.
1: But I no. liked the song.
2: It's a good song. <laughs> I wish it would have came out when I was 22. I would have been blasting that song all day, every day. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, you guys are both 89. Yeah, 89. So yes. you're the same year as Taylor Swift. Yeah. Did she not oh. write 22 when she was 22?
0: She yeah, but she didn't she, release maybe, it probably. Yeah, no, sense. she did. She, she released it when she was 22, but oh, it was yeah. a couple of years after that when the wedding happened. So uh-huh. like we I yeah, I think Really we were 22 but wait a minute. when Taylor Swift was 22.
2: She didn't release it and when no she released it probably like 2 years after. Oh uh, maybe
0: it's like oh. a nostalgic song like I'm feeling 22 but right. actually I'm 24.
2: She probably wrote it when she was yeah 22 and then it takes time you know record release new <laughs> album everything.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I guess that
1: song has a nostalgia to it about being 22 that wouldn't make sense for a 22 year old to to be feeling.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, exactly. What, what does it mean to feel 22 when you are 22? It's like however you're <laughs> feeling is how exactly. you feel. Mm.
2: Twenty two wasn't a good year for me, so said' <laughs> <laughs> not a good song.
1: <laughs> twenty two was a decent year for me, not great, but the first good one since nineteen. Oh yeah, it was yeah.
2: nineteen. That's good. No, me twenty two was uh, no, nah, it was it was bad. It was really mm. bad. It was twenty twelve. Me too. Twenty twelve. It was like my little right. apocalypse. Mm. Um, you know, but but it's it's a good thing. It, it was a good apocalypse that went, and then everything went good right. after that. <laughs> so, what about you? What song would be uh, your theme song Uh, I feel like it would
1: it would have to be like it would have to be a journey song (laughs) (laughs) or maybe like meatloaf (laughs) it could be meatloaf Mm, I would do anything for love well because so what I'm thinking is like not necessarily a song that like reflects me internally or anything but just a song that like makes you you feel like yeah like if I'm walking out onto a stage yeah yeah yeah. that's uh, good You know, it's funny actually, (laughs) going in a completely different direction, but kind of a similar direction in some ways. Um, There's this song from Funny Girl that Barbara Streisand sings uh, (laughs) called Don't Rain on My Parade. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, it's just, it's very like bum, 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 bum. Like it's, you know, it's very powerful and like, yeah, it's good like walking in music. And it's also the song I auditioned for theater school with. Oh, okay. So it has this like part in my heart. Oh, where that's I'm like, so yeah, cute. this is like my like, yeah, get ready for me now kinda. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty
2: cool. That's really good. Yeah. I would say uh for me I think it would be a Drake song, talking about, you know, I reference Drake. Uh, I listened to a lot of his music, especially when I was beginning, because it's very like, you know, like I'm gonna make it, you know, music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um I I one song that I listened to for a long time for a long time was actually my morning alarm. Uh, it's called Congratulations from Drake, and it's just very. It's from the um, the song Viva La Vida of Coldplay. Is it okay. Coldplay? Yeah. yeah. Coldplay. Uh It's that he took like the music and it was like in his mixtape for like So Far Gone, the first mixtape. Right. Uh, so it's like you know, dun, 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 you know, it's like very, dun, 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 yeah, 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 exactly, and just the words and everything that he says. I think it would be that. Uh, that would be the song and then if you really want to go on the very conceited side of things I mean you have to walk into a room with the song legend from Drake I mean oh my god You you have to I mean everyone has to do that you know that's a good song to you know the music starts and you just walk into a room and it's like oh my god oh my god I'm a legend so that's pretty good yeah that's pretty great yeah, <laughs> it's
0: not. that's not a good bad question. idea for your for your stage song.
2: Yeah, <laughs> no, but that that's that. I don't, actually I don't think it would be a good idea for a stage song because then people are like expecting a legend, you know. Yeah, <laughs> you walk out and they're going, "What? <laughs> What's going on?" <laughs> oh, yeah. That's funny. Good question, though.
0: Mm. There's a there's a a, a sort of a self help gets a bit of a bad rap, right? Oh yeah, they like, do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's because like people people are really desperate for meaning right mm-hmm. and especially since sort of like like most most people are sort of on on the wishy-washy side of spirituality and mm-hmm. like ever since kind of the, the early 1900s there hasn't been really a, a, fo- a metaphysical foundation for society right yeah. um, so people are really desperate for meaning mm-hmm. and i think that like that leads to a lot of people taking advantage of that you know yeah. so there's hmm. there's that element of self-help like there are people I I've known who've got into, you know, like the the like network marketing kind of company oh, yeah. kind of things where like I mean I think some of those are genuine businesses, but there's some of them that really really promote this version of meaning, which is actually what you were talking about mm-hmm. trying to get out of, where it's yeah. like, you know, live your live your best life today and like live the live for the life you wanna have and go mm-hmm. in debt because like you'll it's okay. You'll make it, you'll you'll no, get to yeah. the top. So how do you like can you can you maybe tell our listeners how to avoid those kind of people and how to like find hmm. people who who offer genuine meaning?
2: I love uh, you know Tony Robbins. He did a um, a Netflix uh, documentary called "I Am Not Your Guru," um, mm. and I think that that's very important. No one is like a guru. Uh, that should be, like, your kind of God and that everything that the person says you should listen to. Um, So me, one of the worst things that my audience can tell me is when they, they, you know, when I receive messages like that saying, like, oh, my God, uh, you're, like, my idol and you're, like, you know, you're, like, oh, you're the next, like thought leader and like oh my god I want to be like you that's like the worst things because I'm like no that it's not about being like me it's not about finding some kind of you know alternate god that you want to just worship and follow Mm. it's me what I teach is that we all have the power inside of us um I went to a conference about three months ago uh i'm not gonna of course name the name of the person it was uh i went to attend to the conference because i just uh, it was one of my friends she told me oh there's this guy from the united states he's coming to montreal and he's gonna do this big event and it's free you should come uh i was like sure you know i'll go listen to what he has to say it could be interesting i might learn some things uh and i was so disappointed at the end when i left after that day because it was so so the way he was manipulating people you know at the end he um, was telling everyone in the room and there, I could see some people, their eyes were like, yes, yes, I'm going to do it. Um, he was selling this program at $50,000 saying that he was going to bring them on this, on a stage with Arnold Schwarzenegger and uh, I don't know who else and it was going to be this, like they were going to be able to interview them for five minutes and he was promising them fame and success and he was like, you just pay me that and I'll give you, you know, the life that you always wanted Oof. and there were people that were actually ready, like, you know, they were ready to get up of their chair and- go sign up and i almost got up and i was like you can buy your way to the top but i didn't because i was like i I believe in i don't know i I don't think about you know i don't like putting your energy in things i don't like
0: Mm. you just have to let you have to pick your battles exactly pick
2: your battles so uh but i was so disappointed i was like because of people like him that this industry has a bad Mm. reputation Mm -hmm. so i think that yes sometimes the industry can have a bad reputation but i think that it's going in the very right direction i'm very Mm. um Grateful and so fortunate to be surrounded by amazing people in the industry, whether it be in the French industry, Spanish, or, or English. Just today, before coming here, I went on um, meeting with uh, a man who I met this weekend at the conference. It was Le Salon Leveille uh, at Laval, the awareness exhibition. There was like all of the French leaders. Uh, of the coaching industry and this man was from from Paris and we just sat down and we had this beautiful talk and you know at the end he was like anything that you need you know help I can, I can be there for you and I was like same here and he was like um and it was so just natural it wasn't in the, me the worst thing that anyone can do uh when in my industry is to approach me because you know can you help me with this this project that I have or oh can you uh can you uh promote me or can you do this that's the worst thing i mean it's all about building relationships mm-hmm. and all about how you feel about the other person and if it clicks well eventually when the time is right maybe you're going to collaborate with them maybe not you know it's just knowing that things will happen the way that they have to happen so yeah there's a lot of amazing people in the industry but there's mm. also some people I think like in any industry that are going to take advantage of the, the the people who are not feeling good who mm. are sad in the moment who are not doing good so for anyone just don't don't fall into that trap. No one is your guru. No one's going to give you success. That's the thing. One thing people need to learn is no one's going to fix your problems. No one's going to fix your life. No one's going to give you the success that you want. No one's going to make your dreams become a reality for you. You have to do the work. So right. don't ever believe anyone who promises you the world uh, because no one's going to give it to you. I, I right. remember Oprah once saying in an, in an interview to the Kardashians, she did the interview <laughs> with the Kardashians, and she said, she was like, no matter what people say about you guys, she's like, you guys are a phenomenon in today's society, in today's world. And she's like, what I've learned over the years is that no matter how how much PR you have, no matter how many promoters you have, how many best agents or managers in the industry you have, you can never buy a phenomenon. Mm -hmm. You know, things like that that happen, that people who... You know, it's the time is right and everything is perfectly synchronized and it's your time and it's your mission. Also, it's going to happen, but no one's going to make it happen for you. So anyone, uh, anyone who's in that state where they're thinking of investing in someone who's going to give them everything or or the world, don't don't believe that because it's not that way. You do it for yourself. You can get inspired and motivated by people, uh, but no one's going to do it for for you, you know?
0: Right. Yeah. In life as in business, there's no such thing as a free lunch. Exactly. <laughs> Indeed.
2: <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Very so, true. <laughs> cool. Well,
1: thanks so much for coming on the show tonight.
2: Thank you to you guys. It was a real pleasure. Very yeah. fun. So you, you're
1: uh, <laughs> where can people find you?
2: Uh, well, I am uh, like you guys on YouTube of mm-hmm. course uh, I have a channel called Alexandra TV and every week we post new videos in French it's on Tuesdays and when on Wednesdays it's in English and then in, on Thursday if anyone speaks in Spanish it's in Spanish uh, also my website com, and also on Facebook of course Instagram and everywhere you just have to type my name Alexandra Vilahuel. <laughs> you all right, find me cool
0: sweet and the book Beyond Beauty is coming out on March the 14th March the
2: 14th worldwide <laughs> yes very exciting I'm very cool. excited about that it's all available for pre-orders everywhere so cool. on amazon yes. amazon and cool. barnes and nobles and chapters and all the stores everywhere sweet <laughs> nice.
1: we'll drop the amazon link in the description of this episode as well so if any of you guys want to download that or not download that pre-order that yeah click on the link <laughs> thank
2: you sweet. so much thank sweet. You. yeah
1: well this has been a really cool conversation yes it yeah.
2: has yes thank you guys <laughs> should
0: i uh should i play us out play us out sweet i wish i knew that song by drake but i don't actually Legend. (laughs) Um.
2: Learn it for next time.
0: (laughs) I don't know about you, but I'm feeling 22. Everything will be alright if you keep me next to you. You don't know about me, but I think you want to. Everything will be alright if we just keep dancing like we're 22. Ooh. Ooh, ooh. 22. Ooh,
1: ooh. Good, Good job. Night. Tune in next week when we interview an actual squid. <laughs>